two events, one topic, over 300 first-time attendees, hundreds of vendors, and a few masters stealing the show. Welcome to a recap episode of Fall 2021 Masters Conferences. I'm Lia Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media and author of Beyonce Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market. And this is In Camera Podcast, where we have been everywhere Masters Conferences have been held. Podcast Private Legal Marketing Conversations. Grace, how are you today? Good, how are you, Leo? Doing very well. And I do must say to everyone, Grace is joining us live from Las Vegas, from the Bellagio at Masters Made Perfect, because we are recording this on the last day of the conference. So how's it going, Grace? Good. It's actually been a very interesting conference. I got to say pretty fruitful. Okay, elaborate a little bit. What do you mean by interesting conference? Because that can mean a lot of things. So uh, for us, it was pretty good uh, in the sense that we had a double booth here and, uh, you know, with the expectation that it, potentially there could have been less people because of the whole COVID, you know, vaccine requirement and everything. Um, but we went to the vendors meeting and they just said that there were 1,700 people, of which 1,200 were uh, attorneys. And out of those, 300 were first time attendees ever. Wow, that's remarkable. I do must say, Grace, I have, uh, I know at least of one of our clients who is the first time at attendee at Masters Made Perfect this year. And another thing, Grace, you know, maybe the perception that there may not have been a lot of people, maybe due to the fact that I think several attendees are doing a little bit what I did, which is showing up for one day and then uh, leaving, just coming for part of the conference, not necessarily being all at the same time. Uh, so that may also give that feeling. But it's really remarkable if you're telling me that there's uh, over 1,300 people there. I think it's fair to say that this is probably the, the biggest conference talking about uh, national trial lawyers, PILMA, um, Legal X, and any other uh, conference, American Asso uh, Association for Justice, right? So right. yeah, that's 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 pretty remarkable. That's cool, Grace. So tell us a little bit about like what's been going on in there. Is any talks, any conversations, any trending masters that are stealing the show? Yes. So uh, I'd say probably two of them in particular, and then there's like a third kind of new one. Um, that's Paraquat. Uh, Paraquat is that you know the application of uh, herbicide that's you know has to yeah. be commercially applied. Um, yeah. So, you know, they kind of brought that up uh, and it was very interesting to hear the, the side of what's going on in the paraquat and uh, mainly that there's an 80 percent uh, increased chance of a person that uses paraquat and the uh, disease of Parkinson's. So it's, you know, the science behind it is pretty strong and uh, but they do feel like it could potentially take a long time to settle on those. But it was, you know, it was interesting that they discussed paraquat because, you know, we've discussed paraquat before yeah. on this you know, show. Um, but the other one that I thought was really interesting uh, is Zantac. So okay. they significantly reduced the list of cancers. And I kind of felt that might happen, um, mostly because they had prostate cancer on there initially, uh, tier two ductal carcinoma, which is a breast cancer. Uh, they removed all but three cancers. 
Okay, that's interesting, Grace, because just this actually just yesterday we got inquiries for um, Zantac cases, uh, people who are getting into it. So what you're saying is that people are gaining more confidence on these, or they are now because what I'm hearing here is that the list got narrower. So what does that mean? That it's becoming a, a harder master to get yes. it take off? Okay, yes, got it. More expensive because there's stricter criteria. So everything is basically much more expensive and it's going to be harder to get, right? Because there's been people been gathering these with that, you know, a list of like 10 cancers. Grace, another one that I've um, saw very briefly, right? I, I was just kind of like passing by through it and, and it kind of my attention. Um, I saw a sign about it and it was baby food, Grace, baby food. Baby formula. So you, yeah, formula, yes. correct. Have you have you heard any updates on that one? Yes. Yeah, so they they actually created a special breakout session today because of it, because um, they weren't sure. You know, there was a lot of multiple sessions that were kind of side by side at the same time, which made it a little difficult for some people to attend. And so they wanted to talk about Enfamil and uh, what's going on with the baby formula. I, unfortunately, the breakout session is at a time that I had another meeting, but. Um, I did get to see, you know, hear just a little bit about what's going on with the baby formula and how that is causing, obviously, you know, issues in babies. And so this has become an extremely hot button topic for people because this is children, right? This is pediatrics. Yeah. It's, it's terrible what's yeah. potentially going to happen, you know, with these kids that are getting sick because of baby formula. That's supposed to be for people that are even, you know, these are special formulas that are pretty expensive. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's true. And Grace, is there any um, guidelines whatsoever to what, what, how, what are the cases looking like? What are the issues that are going after? Do you know anything about that? So I do a little bit. It's, um, it's called necrotizing enterocolitis. It's, uh, mm -hmm. So basically, they're saying these babies are developing um, a kind of colitis. Uh, many of us know if we've had children or we, you know, have seen anything having to do with babies. Um, colitis is a lot of people are claiming, you know, that people can get a little bit of a stomach issues for the baby and that kind of thing. Well, this is supposed to be what's called necrotizing enterocolitis. When you have necro, the prefix, and I know I'm getting a little nerdy here, but uh, <laughs> necrosis is like when something is dying. So right. ne necrotizing enterocolitis, it, it just even not only does it sound bad, but what it's happening is it specifically is causing symptoms um, and th they're using this for premature babies. So these Got babies it. are already in a position that yeah. they're sick. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's terrible. It's, it really is. It's kind of scary, like what it's doing to these children. And I'm going to try and find a, like a layman's definition for us so that we can, as we continue discussing, I'm yeah. going to pull that up. Yeah, but I must say that that's probably one of the of the newest and most recent ones that at least I have heard of. I've uh, heard it being mentioned maybe a month or so before Masters Made Perfect, but I was actually very, um, it caught my eye to see that there was already a session uh, that was going to go over that. That's great, Grace. So what other news? How about the exhibitor hall? What things have been there? You said that it's been busy for you guys. That's great. I mean, it's not surprising to me that software like Persist is going to be so relevant for mass stores. It's kind of like central and essential for uh, anyone who is in this business of trying to generate mass store leads to have uh, terrific communication systems because converting leads in mass stores is, is you know, the challenge is not getting the leads, it's converting them. And so um, 
a software like Persist can be your best friend. So what you've seen interest on Grace, that what kind of conversations you've heard with law firms? What are the challenges they're having? Why, you know, why, why are there the reasons why they are considering uh, getting Persist? What are the pain points? So, you know, the pain points that I've seen and, you know, that I've been discussing with the many attorneys here and even some vendors, as funny as that is, you know, because they also have outreach that they have to do, right? Some of the call centers, um, some of the people that deal with lead gen in general. And 100%. And they want to increase the conversion because that's what they're selling to law firms. Right. People like businesses that are in the business of selling the retainers, they're in it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they, they need something like Persist as well. So it's kind of been interesting in that it's opened up not just for uh, mass tort attorneys. There have been some a lot of first-time PI attorneys that want to get into mass torts. Yeah. Uh, so it's from both sides. And then the vendors on top of that, they're all like, wow, you know, Persist is this product that can automate it and get the conversion higher, which in turn, they then tell the law firms that are their clients, hey, guess what? You can get better conversion if you use Persist. So it's been a very, very interesting and fantastic conference in that respect where everybody not only knows who we are at this point, obviously, but that Persist is something that their clients can take advantage of as lead gen companies, which can then make them look even better because it's squeezing every drop out of that lemon to make sure that they get every single person that they can out of their lead list, right? So like someone like you, right, that provides you know, leads and, and landing pages as, as uh, Hispanic legal marketing, if they use a, a product like this at the law firm, they're going to squeeze every last dime out of what you're spending for them. Yeah, 100%, particularly when you're dealing with lead, um, lead form submissions and that sort of um, conversion type, it's going to be super essential to have a great and timely, timely, right, being the key timely. element here. Um, follow-up follow up system set up in place. So, Grace, one thing you've mentioned there, so a lot of first-time attendees, that's actually quite remarkable. Like, that's 300 you've met, you've said. That's, uh, you know, it sounds like about 20% of attendees this year are actually new to Masters. Grace, do you have a sense of where and how are these lawyers are more likely to enter the Masters scene? Is it going to be through co-counseling is it gonna be through investing or is it gonna be by trying to to be more hands-on and find leads and you know take it to whatever level they can take it what are what are you seeing trending a little bit more in terms of uh interest levels so that's a really interesting question because um that's actually, it depends on where you're at, right? A lot of the first timers, uh, if they already do their own trials, but maybe not have gotten into mass torts necessarily, they some of them want to try their hand at it. You know, where yeah. they, they like trying cases, so they want to do the whole thing. Whereas I'd say the bigger percentage are the ones what I would call, you know, like a passive investor, where they want to get involved, but they're like, yeah. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to do any of the case workup. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. So because of Ed and, and Ed's network and because he's an attorney, he's able to offer right. them a much higher percentage than they might get if they went out on their own and referred a case uh, that they right. might have had. So it, most of them. And seem that's, to want that's that. true leaders. True, that's true leaders in Masters, correct? Correct. Correct. So they seem to want that version a little better. Because that way right. they don't have to work it up and all can, all they have to do is put it and invest a certain amount of money. They know they're going to get X right. number of cases and they don't have to worry about it until it's done. Now, what I've seen, Grace, that it's becoming also a very popular practice among lawyers is that rather than each lawyer individually coming up 
to um, invest on a particular mastery is that they're grouping, they're creating groups of um, maybe 10 or 15 lawyers, potentially from the same market, the same state, and gather funds together and collectively they make a more meaningful investment into a portfolio of masters. Are you seeing that uh, being one of the venues that law firms are exploring that, you know, they're coming more kind of like united as a group and trying to get into, into a few masters that way or into a single master, but rather than just making it a one investment from one law firm, they're just grouping up putting up a bigger number and coming through that way. So I've actually uh, seen, uh, I'd say a bigger percentage are diversifying themselves into multiple torts so that they don't okay. put everything in all your eggs in one basket. Right. Um, yeah. But there is also a, a decent amount of them that are getting together to have a bigger uh, leverage on the number of cases that they're able to purchase and also diversify. So people that tend to be a little bit smaller in terms of the amount of revenue um, that might feel a bigger hit if they give, you know, $100,000 for some cases or something, they they will join up with other firms and they might become more investors in terms of what they're providing for the monies for cases. So I've seen both of it. And um, it, it, I, wouldn't, I, I couldn't say if it's like 50-50 or if it's more that, you know, there's mm -hmm. people joining together. But uh, I do see a lot of people that are joining with other law firms and trying to, you know, get in these into mass torts that they might have yeah. never even looked at before, but because of the nature of everything happening, they want to get involved. Now, Grace, let's put a pause a little bit on what's happening in mass torts made perfect right now. But I would like us to tell us a little bit about the previous week that you've attended another conference also related to mass torts, but this was women's in storage, correct? That's correct. It was called Women and Mass, and it was at Aspen, Women Colorado. Women and Mass, yes. Mm -hmm. It was in Aspen. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about that, how it was, what what you learned, what you saw, because this one is was somewhat different for you, right? Because there, there was no booth, there was not exhibiting, right? Was there? No, there wasn't. There were no exhibitors. So you were an actually attendee? There. I was an attendee with all okay. the other women that were there at the same time. Yes. Excellent. So tell us about it. So um, it was interesting. Uh, it was my first time ever going to Women in Mass. And I was also under the impression that this was the first time that they um, did this particular format. Um, so it wasn't really, there wasn't a whole lot of sessions. They kind of give you more of an opportunity on the very first day, second day, even to kind of go out with everybody. And um, it's funny because anybody that knows me knows I don't do yoga, but they had a <laughs> yoga, a morning yoga session. And I was like, guess what? If I don't have sessions and I have, um, I don't have a booth, well, how am I going to meet people? So I went to yoga. Um, yeah, you can see pictures on Facebook of <laughs> me doing yoga. Well, actually, after yoga, because you're not going to see me doing yoga. Uh, but, you know, it was very pleasant because they created an environment that um, was more for networking and talking to other women in this space than it was actually trying to sell anything. Um, so okay. it, it was both uh, good and bad, right? Because as a vendor, you you want that opportunity to speak to right. something, right? So right. on that side of it, it was a little lacking. But yeah. on the networking side, it was quite lovely because uh, they did a lot of hiking and they did some, you know, they did a lot of events so that you could be involved with them and you could talk to the women and, and so be part of it. So it sounds more like a social event for 
in women that are involved in masters. That's pretty much right. That is correct. At least this, I was told that it wasn't like that before, but that this is how this one was structured. Okay. So it was not a type of conference that you had sessions about the latest in litigation updates on case on particular towards so marketing insights. Okay. They did uh, on the last day of the conference on uh, it was Tuesday that uh, from 1 p.m. was the opening remarks and it ended at five. So there was only a couple of sessions, maybe five of them, and they kind of went through uh, what they called the new baby. Uh, the toddler and then the gentrified cases. So, you know, they went over Paraquat, that's Roundup. A, that's, a really, that's a really good way of actually uh, benchmarking, right? The masters, like where they are, what's the stage. That's that's so good. That's, that's what so I enjoyed. Good. I have to say yeah. that was really cool because that's the first time I've ever seen something explained in that manner. So yeah. I was like, oh, really? Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's the life cycle, product life cycle, right? I mean, just in marketing yeah. in general, we all know about product yeah. life cycles. At least we do. But we never thought of the life cycle of a tort and kind of putting it in the same format of like a baby's life. Right. So yeah. it was very cool to see that. And it kind of gave me a new perspective of how these things are happening and how they think about them. Um, because, you know, Amy Wangstaff was, uh, has been on roundup and was one of the first when it came to yeah. getting those settled. So she, it was just an amazing perspective from all of these women yeah. and kind of what the way they see these things happening. Um, it, it really was cool. That part of it was really cool. It wasn't a lot of so, it, but it was good. So where is Paraquat right now? Is it in childhood? Is it, is it, is it a toddler? Is it becoming a teenager? Where is Paraquat right now? It's kind of a baby. It's getting closer to being a, a baby, toddler. Huh? Yeah. It's getting closer to being a toddler. Okay. Um, I have to check cause you know, I'm not a lawyer, but I have to check and see if the Daubert has been passed or not, if it's passed the Daubert standard. Um, cause that's right. really the key to the start of a passport. If it hasn't yeah. done, the Daubert hasn't passed, then there's, it's not necessarily that there's no worth to getting into it, but it's definitely a lot more risky. So yeah. it's still considered a little bit of a baby unless it's past Albert, in which case it would be considered a toddler. And, and give us an example of one that it's already kind of like an adult. What, what would that be? They consider Roundup gentrified. So that's gentrified. like much older. Yeah, much older because it's at the end of its life cycle in their mind in terms of, um, you know, cases, fulfillment and everything. How about talcum powder? Has that come up? So, uh, very interesting fact that just happened, uh, talcum Johnson and Johnson just filed for bankruptcy on talcum powder. doesn't mean they're going to get it. doesn't mean that, you know, that, that, that their reason for the bankruptcy is going to mean anything because what they're stating is that they want to find a resolution for all of the cases. And so that's why they're going to bankruptcy court, which as, um, you know, non-attorney myself, but as you know, working with attorneys, we know that that probably won't hold up in court because it's not so much that they care about this settling. They just want to limit their liability and settle Got all it. of this in a bankruptcy court. So right. they, they believe a lot of attorney, these attorneys believe after they saw that, that this is not something that's going to stand potentially. And it's going to take like two years and they're going to appeal it and all kinds of things. So it just means get it done, get your cases filed and put them in there. But it doesn't always necessarily mean that there's a problem, but it's definitely something to pay attention to. So talc is in one of those weird spaces right now that, you know, they're filing for bankruptcy. So it's a, a yeah, it's getting to the end, obviously. 
That's really that's very interesting, Grace. Any other any other takeaways from your event, um, uh, women in mass? Uh, so yeah, I mean, from there, for me, it was just amazing to be able to meet all these amazing women and how uh, there were vendors there too uh, that were amazing women, and they were all like running their companies. And honestly, it was just a whole other level of interacting with other people. And so I understand why they created it as a social event. Um, I'd like to be a little more on the vendor side of things, you know, to be able to speak to people in, in a way that, you know, how we like to speak to people. So yeah. I, I would have preferred to be a speaker or something like that, but that's okay. You know, I, I, I yeah. liked being able to meet these, these women and, um, you know, and, and Amy Wagstaff is an amazing, amazing person. So, I mean, not just an amazing lawyer, but an amazing person. And this is, that was her goal was to bring us all together and get to meet each other. And do you see now um, some of the participants at that conference being at this conference? Is there some overlap? Yeah, yes, probably is, right? definitely, definitely. Actually, a lot of the women I met there said they were coming to Mass Towards Me Perfect, asked me if I was coming to Mass Towards Me Perfect, and we met up here um, after the conference. So that's why I'm saying that for networking purposes, it was, it was definitely a great situation to be in um, with other amazing women. Um, right. Yeah, and here I got to meet uh, National Trial Lawyers for Women. Um, Nancy Holston, she's amazing too. Um, and that's something that I was able to take away from here that I'm going to get involved with because it's just really cool. <laughs> that's very, very cool, Grace. So Grace, today is an express conversation, but we cannot let you go before you share with us a few takeaways that you can share with us after having been in two very interesting conferences this past couple of weeks. So I think for me, the first takeaway was um, network, 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 right? You you can't ever have the opportunity to network without really being in person, which kind of sucks for a lot of us. You know, I mean, those who may not have gotten the vaccine or whatever, but that's, you know, that's the situation that we're in right now. And um, if you can network, 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 whether it's through Zoom calls or in person, do it. You need to. Um, yeah. COVID has just disconnected us so much from each other that, we're we're starving for for that connection. Um, yeah, and, and and this I I just to add up there I I do think that these events you know big part of the value they bring is that is that opportunity to actually meet face to face to people that probably you wouldn't send them a random invite for a Zoom call otherwise, but here it gives you an opportunity to meet you know a lot of individuals that um you can get a lot by having five, 10, 20 minute conversations with, without necessarily having through the, having to go through the processes of, you know, sending emails, scheduling a time and so forth and so on. And yet, you know, a lot of great things can come out of them. So I think you're absolutely right there. And that's really, that's really the value of it. That's great, Grace. Two more. So I'd say number two for me was process. And I know that sounds weird and kind of out of context. Um, I love that word. I love that word. Process. I love it, Grace. I'm yes, I've been hearing it like it's it's a very, very hot word right now here in this agency in which we are. And I, I'm really I, I'm going to shut up because I want to hear what you're going to say. So <laughs> um, we were talking about pain points earlier in, in this podcast right now. And that was such a major pain point that I think a lot of them knew they had, but they have no idea how to fix it. And so they were like, how do I create process? How do I fix the, how do I yeah. have automation? How do I, how do I, how do I, how do I, right? And so for me, yeah. it was, it was such a big pain point to realize that there's a lot of people and a lot of law firms that have legacy information, legacy data, um, legacy systems that they're trying to get to now and they're struggling in the process. And so, yeah. you know, look, as persist, you know, our biggest thing is to fix 
not fix your process or reinvent it. It's to streamline and take out bottlenecks. So to hear that, you know, from all of these attorneys, literally every single one has some kind of efficiency issue that they want to solve, um, whether it's at the front of the process, middle or end of the process, it's it's process. So I, I think being able to speak to a lot of them and, and have them understand that, you know, persist itself and just the way we do things, process is key to success. Um, that was just a really interesting thing for me. And so I want everybody to hear on here that process is key and you need yeah. a process. Do it. Yeah. So your part, I want to hear what you have to say. No, I, I, I agree with everything that you have to say, Grace. And I think, you know, my, my whole uh, point with process is that having good sound test and proven systems in place and processes in place is what's going to allow you to be consistent in the results you're getting, get better and scale. Right. Particularly when you are dealing with something like mass storage, when uh, for it to be done right, for it to yield results, it needs to be done with the volume. You cannot get into it without actually having the infrastructure to handle it. And so other, otherwise, otherwise you're, you're going to end up leaving a lot of money on the table and it's not going to be worth it for you. So I, I definitely, you know, think that it's a very applicable term to be used when it comes down to getting ready for masters. Grace, give us one more takeaway before we let you go, because today you need to uh, get ready to go back home, right? After, you know, having been in and out uh, all of these weeks, because before Women in Master, you had also Pilma Super Summit. So I'm sure you're looking forward to a couple, to, to a few weeks of not uh, having to travel. Uh, two weeks, and then I'm back here at Mandalay Bay for Trial Lawyers University. <laughs> wow, Grace. I didn't know you were going to do Trial Lawyers University. I just found out about it right now. And Did you just find out about it also recently? Last week. <laughs> we just picked the right. today. So, yes, uh, I am coming back here uh, to Vegas. But uh, so that's an interesting event. That's an interesting event. We were invited also um, to to be part of it, but it, we were already committed at Great Legal Marketing. That's happening right exactly at that same weekend. So um, that I'm really looking forward to your feedback on that one. But anyway, listen, two weeks, two weeks, right? Yeah, two take weeks. It. Two week. I, I, I take a day, you know? I mean, whatever I can take, I'll take. Because, I mean, back yeah. to back from Pilma to women in mass, literally one day in between was brutal. So yeah. I'd say my last, the last uh, takeaway would be get involved in one of these events. Um, whether it's on the vendor side or as an attorney, um, you got to do your due diligence as an attorney um, and try to get into mass torts if you can. Um, I don't say it's for everybody because it is, it, it's always will be a gamble. It's, it's a logical and potentially, uh, you know, as an attorney, you have all yeah. this information that you can make a, an informed decision as a consumer, but I think you should, you know, if that's something yeah. that you need to look into and, um, you know, we have white papers and, uh, on the uh, Lake law firm side of things, our content manager, uh, does, uh, Lindsay does all these white papers on everything that's coming out, including like cool sculpting. And, you know, um, we're going to have her do one on the, uh, baby. Oh, yeah, that's right. The cool, cool, cool sculpting. What happened to that? Has that been mentioned? No, it's very quiet no. right now. Um, okay. I think it's because it's so, so new. And, um, the only reason it even blew up a tiny bit was because of the evangelista and, uh, coming out and, you know, talking about the last five years of her being stuck. So I, I think people should look into it. Um, see if it's something for you. Um, but it des definitely bears uh, a conversation or a review of something because if you can get your own mass torts and actually 
Mass Torts A to Z, the book, I have a chapter in there um, called Data Mining, which is what I spoke on at PILMA. And that is, that is mining your own database for gold, which is mass torts. So even yep. if you don't go ahead and buy them, there's a way for you to do this organically. And so I think people, someone should get involved in it. And even if you refer them out to lead counsel on in a steering committee. Yeah, that's true. I also wrote a chapter in that book, Grace. That's Thank you right. very much for inviting me to do it. It was great. And I was very, very happy, honestly, to see it kind of like really getting officially released. Right. Um, when I when I had a chance to see you th um, this past Wednesday in Vegas and at the party and see everybody carrying their copy and such. How great. Uh, it certainly made me feel very special and know that, hey, I'm so glad and happy that I was able to be part of that. So, Grace, thank you so much for a great conversation, for great takeaways for allowing us to have a deeper insight as to what's been going on on two very interesting events that have to do with masters. And we will be back next week with another conversation, right? That's right. We'll be back next week. All right, Grace. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Thank you. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your coworkers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at incamerapodcast.com. We'll see you next week.